few more people sticking with the book, preaching the book, preaching Jesus Christ and not following the world. The world wants you to wants to coddle you and convince you that you're going to go to heaven when you're not. They want to tell you everything's all right when it's not. They want to convince you to go their way and not to go the way of Jesus Christ. And Some good preaching last night, and I appreciate the Lord using you guys that were willing to put your name there in that hat. All right, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 14. Let's continue Revelation chapter 14. Y'all were hoping when I dropped that stand that I would roll over with it, weren't you? <laughs> See what would happen. Now, if you were up here last night, I had a cowbell, and every time I told him, you got 15 minutes, well, I was gracious. I showed some graciousness because of the Lord that's so gracious to me. I said, hey, we're going to give you 20 instead of 15. So I told him at 15, ring the bell, you know, at 14, ring the, I mean, 19, ring the bell, and then, you, you know, and, uh, man, I was, I was ringing, I was really enjoying that, ringing the bell on you guys, ringing that cowbell. It was loud, and I was having a good time and everything, but I got to thinking, I said, man, I hope nobody gets that cowbell Sunday morning, brings it in here, and then, yeah, <laughs> so, say what, brother? Brought a siren, yeah. <laughs> All right, brother, I'm going to get going then. <laughs> yeah, I deserve that, man, I deserve that. I know I'm going to get paid back for it. Mm-hmm. I know you guys are going to pay me back for that, but. All right, I got 45 minutes, bro. That's what I give me. All right, no, I'm going to get out of it. Let's go. Revelation 14, verse 1. Uh, John's writing here, and he says, I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's names written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as a voice of many waters, and as a voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man can learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray you bless this preaching. Lord God, I pray you bless these people, Lord, that came in this morning. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will work, Lord God. And Father, I pray, Lord, you forgive us of our sins. Lord God, help us, Lord, as we come into this house, Lord God, that we'll forget about the world, forget about the cares of the world, Lord God, and just sit at your feet this morning, Lord God, and get what we can from you. Please feed us this morning. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray, amen. So you see there at the 144,000 that are mentioned there in verse 1, that's way back in Revelation 7, that was that 12,000 of each tribe of the tribe of Israel, the 12 of the 12,000 out of 12, that's 144,000, the Bible's real specific about it, he gives, John gives each tribe, and it says it's 12,000, that tallies 144,000. These are those Jewish evangelists, preachers during the tribulation period that are going out, and they're preaching, and they're preaching the kingdom is coming, the kingdom is coming, Jesus Christ is coming back, and they got a seal that God's put on their foreheads. And notice that seal at the end of verse 1 is, Father's name is written in their foreheads. That's that seal. Just like the mark of the beast is the devil, the beast's name and number being put on somebody's forehead or on their right hand, in their right hand, in their forehead, on their forehead. That's what's going on here. It says in their foreheads are stamped in there. Verse 2, at the end of verse 2, it says, I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. So it mentions people with harps and they're harping. That's where people get the idea. You see it in cartoons. You see it in movies where people are up in heaven and they got harps and they're floating around. They got little bitty wings on. That verse right there is where they get the idea of, of people having 
uh, harps while they're up in heaven. Harpers harping with their harps. Then it says in verse 3, they sing a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and elders. Now they're up in heaven. They're up on Mount Zion. They're up in heaven. And no man can learn that song but the 140 and 4,000 which were redeemed from the earth. So it appears when you take this verse here, and you take some other verses in the Bible, and I'm not going to run through every one of them, but it appears that not, since there's a rapture, let me see if I got, yeah. We know that there's a rapture according to the Bible. We know there's a rapture. So I'm going to put this little uh, timeline here, and we know there's a rapture. And in this, in this timeline, I'm going to put this little bubble here. That's a tribulation period. I'm going to put a little seven here, seven-year tribulation period. We know before that tribulation period, the Lord's going to rapture us out, Revelation chapter 4. But it appears that right before he comes back, there's a second rapture here. Uh, Post-tribulation, right, uh, right, uh, right before Jesus Christ comes back, I'm going to put this arrow here, and that's Jesus Christ coming back to the second advent. Right at the end of the tribulation period, right at the end of that seven-year period, it appears these 144,000, they all, all, all of a sudden just show up there, in the uh, show up there in heaven, and as they're up there in heaven, they're singing a new song. And this new song is that they've been is that they they've redeemed from the earth. Verse four: These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. So what you have some stupid Jehovah's Witness do is they take those hundred forty four thousand in that in that cult. They said we're the hundred forty four thousand of God, even though they're never. I don't know of any of them being Jews. And you've asked them, what, if you're 144,000, which of the 12 tribes are you from? Well, I don't know what they say. When you've asked them, they just kind of mumble around. Well, now what happened was when they got that cult started in the early 1900s, as the years went along, they got more and more people, and that cult grew. They got to where there was more than 144,000 of them. So they had to come up with some new lie, some new plan. So what they did is they said, okay, well, the first 144,000, they get to go to heaven. The rest of y'all, y'all are the other sheep, and y'all get to stay down here on earth. It'll be paradise on earth. That's why all the Jehovah's Witness literature teaches that there's paradise here on earth. And everything. what they're doing is they're taking the millennial kingdom of Jesus Christ, trying to apply it in some kind of weird doctrinal way. Of course, they're all cuckoo as Cocoa Puffs. Uh, y'all remember that cartoon back in the 70s and 80s where it was, it had Cuckoo Man. You remember that? Cuckoo Man. It had Diaper Man. It had Cuckoo, Cuckoo, Cuckoo. And he'd come out of Cuckoo. Cuckoo, Cuckoo, Cuckoo Man. That's a Jehovah's Witnesses coming out of there like that. <laughs> cuckoo, Cuckoo, Cuckoo Man. So the title of this sermon, and I'll get to it in a second. So remember what I've been teaching about the book of Revelation. The first coming of Jesus Christ is documented in, uh, in, a, in the account of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's four accounts of that. So, in the book of Revelation, what you do when you study out the book of Revelation, you're going to find there's four different accounts of Jesus Christ coming back. So, just like there's four different accounts of his first coming as a prophet, there's going to be four different accounts of his, sec of his second coming as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And as we've been studying this, we went through chapters 1 through 8, and that we studied the seven seals. And after the seven seals... It started over and gave us a second account of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it was give us a second account in seven trumpets. And now we've gone through seven personages. We're at the end of seven personages. We're at the chapter 14, seven personages. Personages is like appearances. So you had the sun-clothed woman. You had the dragon. You had the man-child that came forth. You have the archangel, Michael the archangel. You had the Jewish remnant that ran from the, the dragon. 
And then remember we studied the Antichrist, and then I've been preaching on the false prophet and that mark of the beast is going to be given. So right now we're at the very end of the, the third telling of the second coming of Jesus Christ in the seven personages. And then chapters 15 through 19, that'll tell the, the, they'll be the last telling of the second coming, and that's, that's going to be in seven vials. But let's keep reading there in Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. These are they, verse 4, these are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. So they're redeemed, they've been raptured out. So when I say they've been raptured out, that, that second rapture, because that's where the people get so confused. And I'm about to show you something else about this. There's more than one rapture in the Bible. And they'll get kind of confused. They'll try to lump all these different raptures in the Bible. But as we've studied through, and we went through these different tellings, you remember there in, 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 in verse chapter 11, you remember the two witnesses that showed up in chapter 11, and I showed you that it was Moses and Elijah, and they're preaching against the Antichrist, and then the Bible says they get killed, and they're laying there in the streets, and all the world's watching them, and they're giving each other gifts. They're like, oh, it's so great, we finally killed these two troublemakers, and they're laying out in the streets, and the Bible says the whole world's watching them laying in the streets of Jerusalem. And then all of a sudden, they start moving, and they rise up, and God says, come up hither. And then the two witnesses rise up and go up into heaven, and then there's a great earthquake and everything. That's the very end of that telling right here, that second telling of the second coming of Jesus Christ. That was them getting raptured up into heaven. That goes right in line with chapter 14 where you see these 144,000. All of a sudden they're redeemed, they're showing up in heaven. Last time we've seen them, they were down on earth. Now they're up in heaven. So it's showing you that they're getting raptured out. So it appears that they're getting raptured out, the, the two witnesses, they all get raptured out at the same time with some tribulation saints, some people going through this tribulation period that weren't raptured up with us, they get saved during that seven-year period because there's still a chance for you to get saved. You just can't take the mark of the beast, and I'll show that to you. Verse 5, And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Talking about those 144,000. Without fault. Don't mean they're without sin. They're just without fault. God finds them faultless. Verse 6, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. This angel sang with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. This is a different gospel than what me and you preach. Just like I said, there's different raptures in the Bible. There's seven different baptisms in the Bible. There's at least uh, three different gospels you can find in the Bible. So the first gospel you'll find in the Bible for sure is the gospel of the kingdom of God. The, excuse me, the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. It's the gospel of the kingdom. And what that kingdom is, it's the gospel that Jesus Christ preached. That Jesus, that the gospel is this. He came forth and he says, God's about to set up his kingdom on this earth through his Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. Which of course is Jesus Christ. And he preached that to the Jews. Hey, your kingdom's coming in. We're about to set up the kingdom. And then of course they rejected their king. And God knew they would. And, he, and the kingdom went into mystery form. Jesus went up into heaven. And now he's going to come back and set up that kingdom soon. That was the gospel he preached. He didn't preach. If you go back and read Jesus Christ in the beginning, wasn't preach, receive me as your Lord and Savior and you'll be saved. He was preaching, the kingdom's coming, the kingdom's coming. You'll find that in Matthew chapter 4. You'll find that in Matthew chapter 4. You'll find that in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus preaching that kingdom. 
So the, we, now, we're, now the gospel we preach is what? We preach a different gospel than that. What do we preach? We preach believe in Jesus Christ and you'll get saved. We, ple- we preach what, what, what Paul preaches in 1 Corinthians 15, that Christ died for your sins. He, gro- he, he died, he rose again on the third day. We preach that, and if you believe on him, you'll get saved. That's what we preach. That's the gospel we preach. And now in the tribulation period, here's another gospel. Gospel simply means good news. The good news is simply this. It's found in verse 7. Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgments come. Basically what the good news is, God's about to straighten this mess out. That's what he's saying to all the people on all the world. He's flying through all the heavens. He's like, get ready. God's about to straighten this mess out. God's going to judge them. God's going to judge. Get ready. Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgments come. And the second part of this message of the good news is, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. Worship God as creator. You know, when you look at a lot of di- uh, like commentaries, and I have a lot of old commentaries, and I like to look at some of what the old commentaries would say from like 100, 150 years ago. This verse, they just skip over this verse. Verse 7, especially the end of verse 7. But you notice he's, they're putting the focus on the, the God as the creator. You know what you know about the world today? They don't accept God as the creator. We evolved. It just happened. It just perchance a billion, four billion years ago, there was a little dot, and then boom, the big bang, and everything fell into place, and blah, blah, blah. I know it looks all like it's designed. I know it looks like it's all in this intricate design uh, everything's working some systematically together, but don't worry about that. We all, it just happened, chance. And this angel says, hey, God is the creator of all of this. That's the good news. He's the creator. You need to worship him. Verse 8, And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations the drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Now, I preach that. Not too long ago, as the great destroying mountain, that Babylon there is the I call it the Babylon mothership, the mothership Babylon. That's that I believe that great mothership that the supposed alien from another planet comes down. He comes down in this great mothership called Babylon. He convinces everybody he's from another planet when he's not. He's he's an alien from another, and it's just the Antichrist come out. It's just a fallen angel is all it is. But that's when we read about that, where that great destroying mountain gets thrown into the ocean, cast down, it's fallen, it's fallen. I, just, I preached on that too long ago. And uh, that, that, that guy took off of YouTube. I couldn't find that uh, video, and Brother Wade was gracious enough. He went and found it through Facebook, I ha- but, and Facebook wouldn't let me download it, and he was able to get it and download it. So if somebody wants a copy of that, wants to see that, because that one right there, that got them stirred up. They don't like that one. A couple of weeks ago, I preached about the, uh, the Mark of the Beast. That got took off of YouTube. They knocked that off. You. They wouldn't let me post for like a, a week and a half. So uh, they, they don't like that. The Antichrist don't like you revealing what he's doing, his plan of action. But it's all right here in the Bible. All you got to do is read it. All right, verse 9. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. You cannot take the mark of the beast. Now, brothers and sisters, you're in here, you're saved, you have nothing to worry about. You've escaped the wrath to come. According to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, chapter 5, Jesus Christ is, we're saved from the wrath to come. You don't have to worry about have to take that mark of the beast. Now, it's not something a Christian has to worry about, but if you're in here and you're not saved, and we get raptured out of here, and you're looking around, 
and there's nobody around, and you're looking what's going to happen, and all of a sudden this world just starts going crazy, and then they're telling you, you've got to have this mark, you can't buy, you can't drink, don't take the mark. That'll damn you. That'll damn you, according to these verses right here. Uh, you were in here last night when uh, Brother Wills was singing about getting the lubies. He's singing, about, he's singing about the preacher, and he, he sang a song about the preacher, and he says, uh, he's singing a song about the preacher, and he says, if the preacher would, just, would, would preach a little quicker, we could beat the Methodists down to the Luby's cafeteria. But the preacher's going too long, so we're, we're, we're going to be behind even the Pentecostals because we can't get in line fast enough. And he's preaching that. And then he preached at the end of that song. He preached about, hey, we got down to Luby's, and, man, there was nobody around. We were able to get up. The parking lot was, like, half empty. We got in there. We got, like, first in line, and then they realized, did the rapture happen? And everything. <laughs> I love that song. That, that's, that, that's a good song. But all kidding aside, it's the wrath of God. And it's put on men and women who take the mark of the beast. The same that take that mark shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture, its full power, into the cup of his indignation. And he, the person that takes that mark of the beast, look at this. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Tormented. With fire. Verse 11. And the smoke of the torment ascendeth up forever and ever. So the name of my sermon this morning is, I'm, I'm going to finish off this sermon. The name of my sermon was Hell Everlasting. Hell Everlasting. Hell Everlasting. Or Why I'm Not a Jehovah's Witness. One of those two titles. Hell Everlasting or Why, why I'm Not a Jehovah's Witness. Now, verse 11 is real plain. And the smoke of their torment, they're being tormented, ascendeth up forever and ever. Hell is everlasting. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast in his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Here's the patience of the saints. Talking about those tribulation saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. It's a faith and works mixed salvation. And we'll talk about that next time I preach there. But I want to focus about hell and it being everlasting. Look at Matthew chapter 18. Turn to Matthew chapter 18. The worst part of last night was I'm up here listening to it and I'm really enjoying it. And then one of the brothers is up here. I'm not going to mention any names. He gets up and I'm like, no, 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 brother, you're preaching my sermon for tomorrow. I'm going to start ringing the cowbell. Shut up, shut up, shut up. He's preaching about hell, and he's preaching about hell being hot, and he's preaching about hell being everlasting. He's preaching about if you don't know Jesus Christ, you're going to go to hell. And everything he said was right on the money. Amen. And you know what he was doing? Exactly what I'm going to do with you this morning. I'm going to turn to you and show you what Jesus Christ said about hell. Revelation, uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter 18. Look down at verse 8. Matthew chapter 18, verse 8. Hell is hot. Hell is real. And hell is everlasting. And without Jesus Christ, that's where you're going. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you're going to hell. God can't have you up in heaven with him. You're, he's holy and you're not. And if you, don't take the, if you don't take the free payment of salvation in Jesus Christ, he's going to send you to hell. Hell's not preached enough. Brother Justin got up here uh, last night, and man, he hit that hard. Some of his other brothers talking about uh, salvation in Jesus Christ, the importance of salvation in Jesus Christ. But the truth is, is, 
Hell is not preached enough. And if you look at TV evangelists, they sure don't like that word hell. Look at verse 8. Wherefore, if thy head or thy foot offend thee, Jesus said, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. Everlasting fire. Look what he says here in verse 9. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. Cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. That's Jesus Christ preaching hell. I don't like those preachers that preach hellfire and brimstone. Well, you don't like Jesus. He's a hellfire preacher. You know what that, you know what that, you know what our Lord and Savior just said? If your eye is keeping you from getting into heaven, pluck it out. If your feet are what's keeping you from getting into heaven, is cut them off. It's better for you to cut your feet off than to go to hell. I'm preaching what he preached. And he said that hell was everlasting fire. It wasn't a little boo place. It wasn't separation from God. It was a burning, tormenting place with fire, and it's everlasting. He says there in verse 9, And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye, rather than having two eyes, to be cast into hell fire. Now I've already picked on and made fun of the Jehovah's Witness. I'm going to do it again here. The Jehovah's Witness will tell you there's no such thing as hell. Hell's just made up. That hell is the grave. I have had them tell me that to my face. And I've heard that with my very own ears because I've asked them about it. Hell is just the grave. And I had one of them tell me that. A sweet, sweet Spanish girl told me that. She was Jehovah's Witness. She, she was as nice as she could be. And she's like, no, we don't believe in hell. And I said, let me ask you a question. What, if, if hell is a grave, and she said, yes. I said, what's grave fire? And she just looked at me. I said, what's grave fire? Because Jesus preached about hell fire. What's grave fire? She goes, I don't, I never thought about that. Yeah, you might want to think about that a little bit. Because it don't make no sense. <laughs> hell is real. Hell is not the grave. Hell is not you just go your body going to a place and that's it. Hell is not you just being thrown into it and it's, you burn up in ashes and that's the end of it. Jesus Christ in the Bible always describes hell as a tormenting place that you're in. And there's fire and you're being tormented. And you're going to be in there forever without Jesus Christ. Maybe sometimes we need to give it to people that way. You know, we try to give them the love of Christ. Man, I'm just as guilty as anybody. I want, to, I want you to come to Christ because of the love of Christ. And why do we do that? Well, I can tell you why. I can tell you why me and Brother Quig would do that. Because me and Brother Quig were just talking before church. Because we don't understand why God is so good. And he's so loving. And we know him so well. that We know God is this great, loving father that even though we're sorry and no good, he still just blesses us and blesses us and blesses us and loves on us and loves on us and loves on us. So when I come to somebody, I'm like, hey, man, you need Jesus. I mean, it's so wonderful. It's so great. Come on in here. Give it. And they're living out in the world and saying, they're like, I don't need that. I don't want none of that. And we need to start focusing on, you know what, man, I, I got some bad news for you. You're going to hell. And the Bible describes hell as everlasting fire. It's everlasting as fire. Look at Matthew 25. Let's see what Jesus Christ had some more of some things, some more of what Jesus Christ had to say about hell. Hell is real. It's everlasting and it's fire. And if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, you're in here, that's where you're going. You're going to hell. I'm shooting at you plain. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm not trying to upset you. I'd rather upset you. 
I was with Brother Chad Reese, and we were out street preaching, and he was, I overheard him talking to this man, and this man was, uh, was, was uh, kind of getting, trying to blow him off, and he, uh, Chad was talking to him about salvation, and the guy's like, why, why are you even out here? He goes, because I'm trying to warn you about hell. He goes, well, I, I don't feel like I'm going to hell. He goes, no, because you don't know you're going to hell, and I'm trying to tell you you are. He said, listen to me. Chad said, listen to me. You're on the second floor of a building, and you're up there, and you're looking out that building, and I'm down here, and I can see on the first floor, it's fire. There's a fire. There's a fire below you. You're about to burn. You're about to burn. And you're on the second floor, and you don't know there's a fire down there. And you're like, oh, man, that crazy guy, that crazy preacher, he doesn't know what he's talking about. What? I'm not worried about that. And you're about to burn. That's what we're dealing with. Matthew chapter 25, 24. Look at verse, uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. I think I wrote the wrong verse down. Yeah, 25, verse 41, scribble error. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, look at what Christ says here in verse 41. Then shall he say, then shall he, talking about the Lord there, then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me ye cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. See, the, that everlasting fire, that hell, it was never prepared for me and you. God didn't ever intend for you to go. He intended the devil and his angels to be put in there. But because we won't take his son and take that righteousness that's given to us through his son, that free gift of eternal life, because you won't take it, he has no choice but to send you there. Because you're condemned already, you're sinful. And you're going to go. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about this. Don't get that out of your head. You're not going to just say, well, I might go. How's a preacher know? I might get up there and I might be able to show God that I've been a pretty good person. Don't count on it. Only somebody young would say something like that. <laughs> Us old guys with no hair and with a lot of gray in our beards, I can tell you it's a little different. And when you get older, you know that, yeah, I've done enough to go to hell. I deserve it. And I don't want to go there. Especially if there's a way out. Look at verse 46. Christ went on to talk about hell again. Look at verse 46. Matthew 25, verse 46. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment. It's punishment and it's everlasting. But the righteous into life eternal. There's two sides right there of a coin. You just, he just gives you two sides. You're either going into eternal life this morning when you leave those doors. You say, man, I've got eternal life, Pastor. I'm not worried about it. I've got Jesus Christ. I'm going to heaven. Or you're leaving these doors and you're like, man, I'm going straight to hell. And it's going to be everlasting. There's no scripture, nowhere in the Bible, anybody ever gets out of hell. It's everlasting. Don't fool yourself. Well, I'll go down there and then I'll pay for all my sins and then I'll get out of there and I'll get to go into heaven. No, sir. No, ma'am. Nowhere. It's tormenting flame. Look at Luke. Look at Luke chapter 12. Gospel of Luke chapter 12 talking about hell. Look at Gospel of Luke chapter 12 verse 4. Gospel of Luke chapter 12 verse 4 talking about hell. Gospel Luke chapter twelve, Gospel Luke chapter twelve, verse four. 
Here's our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ talking again. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body. Are you scared of getting a disease? Are you scared of getting a virus? Are you scared of somebody shooting you? Are you scared of somebody stabbing you? Are you scared of somebody killing you? Are you scared of somebody can do what somebody can do to you? Jesus Christ says, don't worry, worried about them. Be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Oof. Hey, Jehovah's Witness. You say that hell's the grave? Jesus said, I'm not worried about the grave. Don't worry about the grave. Somebody can kill you. Yeah, they can kill you. You might go into an early grave. They might kill you at an early age. They might kill you. You might go into an early grave out there. But don't be worried about that. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. You better fear God. Because any man in this room, any woman in this room could kill you and put you in an early grave. But they can't do what God can do to you. Listen to me, Jehovah's Witness. They can't do what God can do to you, and that's throw you into hell. Fear Him. Fear God. Don't fear me. Don't fear the government. Don't fear the news media. Don't fear the weapons or the guns or the knives or the viruses or whatever else they're trying to get you to fear. They got you away. They got your eyes on everything else but what you should really be afraid of, and that's hell. Everlasting fire, torment, smoke. Punishment forever. You know, I was a bad kid growing up. I got punished for a lot of things, but at least I got out of it. There was a way out of it. There's no way out of hell. Look at Luke 16. Gospel of Luke 16. Yeah, hell is not the grave because God can put you there. God can put you there in the grave where no man can. Look at Luke chapter 16, verse 23. Luke chapter 16, verse 23. I just don't understand why Jehovah's Witnesses are so caught up on hell being the grave. They just want to make hell go away, and it don't go away. It's not going to go away. And Brother Justin made a good point last night. I thought he made a good point last night when he said these preachers don't like to preach on hell because it's un it disturbs people, and they want to keep a congregation. They don't want you disturbed. They want to keep you happy. And he's right. That's why Joel Osteen don't preach on hell. You can't have 4,000, 5,000 people in a big room and be preaching on hell. People get uncomfortable about that. They don't like it. I don't like doing it. I don't preach on it enough as I should. But it's true. If you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to hell. That includes your neighbor. That includes your loved ones at Thanksgiving and Christmas you see once a year. That includes your mom or dad or your, 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 your daughter, your son, whoever it is that doesn't know Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior, the Bible says they're going to hell. That's inconvenient. I don't like to say that, but it's the truth. This is what Jesus Christ had to say about it. Look at verse 19. Let's get the whole, word, let's get the whole context. Verse 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. He was rich, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gates full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosoms, like he went into heaven. 
the, the beggar. The rich man also died and was buried. So the rich man died and was buried. He went to a grave. Oh, hell's just the grave, J.W. will tell you. Hell is just a grave. No, it's not. Jesus said that rich man, he died and went in a grave. Look, he died and was buried in a grave. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments. He's alive in hell, burning, tormented, looking up. He knows where he's at. And seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosoms. Not only is he being tormented, he can look up and he can see what's going on in heaven. He's seeing what he's missing. Man, growing up as a kid, I had that speech problem, the speech impediment. They made me sit and go into speech class. And I remember being in that, that, that third story, the second story of Coggin Elementary. Joker knows where I'm talking about. And I was looking out that window, and they'd make me work on my speech. And I look at the, all those kids being out there in playground. While I was in hell trying to learn how to speak better. And I look out there, it was hell. This guy's in hell being tormented. And he looks up and he sees the beauty of heaven. He sees the golden streets. He sees the mansions. And he realizes, I gave all that away for the world. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. These are the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is not something I put in your Bible. This is not something I've made up. This isn't something that Paul wrote and Moses wrote. This is Jesus Christ was recorded to have said. The guy was in hell and he said, just please give me a drop of water on my tongue, please. I'm burning. It's burning me. I'm tormented in this flame. I can see you up there. Please have mercy on me. That's all your loved ones. It's all your neighbors, your co-workers. They're going to be burning in hell. And we're like, man, I might invite them to church. I might not. I might tell them about the Lord. I don't want to offend them. I don't want them to think that I'm a religious holy roller. And they're going to burn. Jesus Christ says they're going to burn in hell. But Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest the good things. You accepted the world. And likewise, Lazarus, the evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. Beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. So they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. You can't go there, you can't go there, you can't go back. Verse 27. Then he said, uh, this is the rich man burning in hell. He said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. He said, send somebody to my brothers. Tell them not to come down here. Send them. Tell them not to come down here into this place of torment. Tell them not to come to hell. Please, somebody, send somebody to my family. Tell them not to come down here. I'm burning. I'm in torment. Man, if I could come down here and open up the doors of hell and just open up those gates and here, and you could look down in there, those people would be yelling out, don't come down here, don't come down here, get right with Jesus Christ. Please, I'm burning, I'm burning. Man, missionary from hell. Missionary from hell. What was the answer to that? 
Abraham said unto him, verse 29, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. So they got the Bible. Let them hear the Bible. Verse 30. He said, Nay, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Just let Lazarus come up from the grave. He, he, let Lazarus come up from the grave and let him go and knock on the door and tell him about hell and warn him not to go to hell. If, if Lazarus was to come out of the grave, they would come and they, they would realize. And they would go. And What was the answer to that? Verse 31, in closing. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. I know a man that rose from the dead. His name is Jesus Christ. And I'm persuaded he did. Well, Pastor, why are you so persuaded he did? Because I believe what the prophets wrote. Notice. He said, if they hear not Moses and the prophets. If you won't hear the Bible... You wouldn't believe if Jesus was to walk into your bedroom at night and tell you. See, it starts with the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. What I just read to you is the words of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, He loves you. He died for you. But what He did is He died so you didn't have to go down there. Hell is alive, it's real, and there's people every day dying around us that are going down to a devil's hell, burning and in torment. And we need to go out this morning and we need to keep that mindset and say, you know what, I need to tell people about Jesus Christ and warn them that hell is real and tell them what this book says about it and remind them what the, Lord, the words of our Lord and Savior said. Give up the world. If you have to give up the whole world for Jesus Christ, it's worth it. Because you don't have to go to hell. It's as much about getting out of hell as it is getting into heaven. 